Hey everybody, welcome to Pretty Scary. Pretty Scary Boo! Pretty Scary Boo. That was a demon. Yeah, now we invite demons on the show occasionally. Um, I'm just glad we finally captured it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's nice to have it captured on audio without even having to have turned on the gurgurgur machine. Yeah, the demon... The demons are like our interns at Unpops. Yeah, yeah. They're going to edit this episode after we're done. Caitlin, how are you doing? Staying alive, buddy. How are you doing? Oh, same. You know, it's always the same. It is always the same. Only the names have changed. Just kidding. Not those either. No, because my name is definitely still Caitlin Cut. And I'm still Adam Todd Brown, and I haven't had to learn a new name in months. I have not either. We are talking about the real story behind The Exorcist, as promised on last episode. I've got some problems with this story, Adam. (laughs) I don't feel great about the details behind the the real Exorcist story at all. And I I feel like we're going to be on the same page as to why. Major problems with... (laughs) Let me split this up into two tiers. I have a problem with the story, and I have a problem with the fact that the story happened. Those are two separate feelings that I have. Do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I sure do. (laughs) Because both tiers that we're examining here involve layers. So now we're tiers and layers of decision-making from adults. Right. That I disagree with. (laughs) I don't know what... I don't know how to divide the layers into something smaller, but it's it. Now we're dealing with, with like a, like a filament. We'll say I have a problem with literally everything about the things between these decisions. I, I have a problem with the fact that I feel like you and I are about to set a flag in this story by being the first people to ask the questions we're about to ask. Yep. Because everyone else seems to have read this story and been like, oh, was he really possessed? And I'm like, was he being raped? Yeah, I, that's <laughs> my problem. Like, yeah. I, I I, am not wondering if he was possessed. I'm wondering if he's okay. I, yeah. I just- <laughs> and they're like, oh, he won't even talk about it now. It's like, yeah, I bet. Yeah, that's how it works in the Catholic Church. So. <laughs> Go ahead. Let's just start. <laughs> let's get into it. Oh. Uh, and it's fine that we're laughing the way we are. This happened a long time ago. Nobody can feel anything about it anymore. Nope. So that's alive. All the, all the people that had direct emotions are dead by several generations at this point. Hopefully, although it is rumored that the kid in question is still alive. I doubt it for reasons, but let's keep talking. Yeah, that's true. This so, is not a guy set up for success, okay? He did not go on to be you know, a city controller. So the, the basic summary here, before we dive into the details in the late 1940s, priests of the Roman Catholic church performed a series of exorcisms on an anonymous boy known as Roland Doe from Maryland. Now that I say the name out loud, it sounds funny. I hear it it too. (laughs) Roland Doe. What are you making? Roland Doe. (laughs) Making cookies? Hey, roll it. I mean, come on. What should we call the boy? (laughs) What do you mean? We've got to name the boy. We've got to give him an official fake name. James, what are you doing over there? I'm just rolling dough. Well, let's go with that. (laughs) Perfect. It's excellent. It sounds fake, which is what we need for the (laughs) fake name. That's a key ingredient in a fake name. Yeah, exactly. Like Art Vandelay from Seinfeld. (laughs) Exactly. Roland Doe, Art Vandelay. So Roland was 13 (laughs) at the time of these exorcisms. Nobody at 13 should be named Roland, period. Oh, no, definitely not. 
And the weird thing is, one of the journalists who's looks, looked into this, his name is Mark Opsasnik. Real name. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got to be. That name would be too hard exactly. to fake. But uh, he went through a bunch of yearbooks from around this time and found a kid with the same birth date and description as Roland Doe. And you'll be glad to know that that kid has a way more exciting name, which is Rob. Wow. Rob Doe. I don't know what's worse. Does he have a thousand mile stare? (laughs) Does he look like a, like a grizzled prostitute? Like I, I have my suspicions. He does now. Is his soul gone? My husband and I have been showing my son, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Because he loves spooky stuff. My son loves spooky things. Weird, right? I don't know how that yeah, happened. Yeah, crazy. But in one of the episodes, there was this reveal that's kind of in the line of like, he was dead all along. But the heads, <laughs> my husband and I have not stopped laughing about this. The headstone was Roy Oil. We love you. <laughs> Roy Oil. <laughs> Just come, just call yourself royal at that point. It was the funniest. <laughs> it's still really, it's either Roy or Ron, but it's some Roy <laughs> Ron, oil. oil. And then we love you. That like the headstone <laughs> in like Times New Roman on this like fiberglass looking headstone. It was so great. He didn't have anything to say when he died. People just had to talk for him. That's weird. Yeah, it sucks. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. So Rob Doe underwent a first exorcism at Georgetown University Hospital conducted by a Father Hughes. And then his final and successful exorcism was performed by a Father William Bodern at Alexian Brothers Hospital in St. Louis, Missouri in the spring of 1949. What is this, a road show? I don't understand why there are two hospitals involved in this. There are so many. There are a troubling number of locations that this child is shuffled between especially in light of everything we know about the catholic church now that's the thing is that it really in hindsight is much more troubling i think than when they were putting these pieces together initially yeah i i don't i I, anyway go ahead yeah so, so there is a diary of these events that was kept by an attending priest named father raymond j bishop that detailed the exorcism rites performed on Roland Doe. And Father Walter H. Halloran was one of the last surviving eyewitnesses of the events. He participated in the exorcism. When asked in an interview to make a statement on whether the boy had been possessed, Halloran said, no, I can't go on record. I never made an absolute statement about the things because I didn't feel like I was qualified. So... (sighs) Let's dive into a tale about a story of a boy who's not believed. Yeah, this is like a Russian hatching doll of trauma. It really is. Like, and that's a weird answer. It's just the that answer creeps me out more than the story does. Like, then the then the exor- like the possibility of demonic possession doesn't scare me as much as that answer does. Oh yeah, yeah. I I I don't know if this kid was possessed by a demon or just fighting for his freedom or mentally ill i mean there's so many options so the connection to the movie the exorcist comes when a 20 year old english lit major at georgetown university william blatty saw an article in the august 20th 1949 washington post by bill brinkley called priest freeze mount rainier boy reported to be held in the devil's grip and bill blatty william blatty obviously is the man who wrote the exorcist the book that the movie is based on and the article he was reading was again in the fucking washington post and it was about a a boy who lived in cottage city maryland a smaller town nearby and this is actually the second newspaper report about this story that came out in 10 days at this time. There was one 10 days earlier, also in the Washington Post, same author called Pastor Tells Eerie Tale of Haunted Boy. Haunted Boy? Haunted by what? Uh, I think we we find out in this actual article uh, 
there's there's a, a weird detail. The <laughs> the first Sorry. article, the August 10th one, an unnamed minister gives a speech before a local meeting of the Society of Parapsychology at the Mount Pleasant Library in D.C., and it turns out that that priest is a Reverend Schultz. And according to this Reverend Schultz, this family had experienced a bunch of strange events in their suburban Maryland home beginning on January 18th, scratching noises emanating from the walls, boy's bed would shake violently, objects such as fruit and pictures jumping to the floor, all the usual stuff. So the minister arranged for the boy to spend the night of February 17th in his home. Yeah. Nope. I, I, I think you start with the minister staying in your home and everybody keeps an eye on that sitch. What the hell? But with, so that happens. They end up, he ends up spending the night at his home. And like you do. Yep, sure. According to this article with the boy sleeping nearby in a twin bed. Sure. Oh man. Absolutely. The minister reported that in the dark, he heard vibrating sounds from the bed and scratching sounds from the wall. A heavy armchair in which the boy sat seemingly tilted on its own and tipped over, and a pallet of blankets on which the sleeping boy lay inexplicably moved around the room. So right there, was the boy in a twin bed, or was he on a pallet of blankets on the floor? What the fuck is going on, Washington Post? Why would you put a person on a pa- what is a pallet of blankets? This is the It's just like a pile of blankets. It's a it's I a know, term people like, use. Yeah. What, sure, but if I have someone in my home, I'm not going to put a bunch of blankets on the ground and be like especially if it's like you might be possessed by a demon, I would just try to make you comfortable is what I'm saying. Like I would try my best to make sure you had a real bed. Right. Unless the plan was to make you uncomfortable so you would come be in the bed with me, which sounds like Ooh, yeah, possibly this might have been the plan. Yeah. And it just says, now that I read it again, it just says with the boy sleeping nearby in a twin bed. He's not saying he's in another bed. Yeah, I don't They're know. They're just both in a twin bed and the boy's sleeping nearby. I put him in the twin bed. All right, sir, I know you said that, but just for the purposes of this article, what exactly, where was the bed? It was the twin bed. <laughs> no, I, I, no, 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 no. I'm so sorry, Father. I, I understand that part uh, when you say that, but where was the boy? Was he also in a twin bed? I made a pallet of blankets. <laughs> I'm sorry, did you say a pallet? Like it was on like a Costco pallet of blankets? No, it's a pile. It's the, People say that all the time. I admit that. <laughs> okay. I just want to go back to my original question. I was at, that's, that's how this got right. It's, it, it's nuts. Yeah. And so that was the first article. And it ends by saying that the minister called in the family doctor who prescribed phenobarbital for the whole family. That's date rape drug, correct, Adam? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just checking because, you know, um, I have been, um, you know, in the true crime scene for a while. And when I read that, I Googled it to make sure that I knew what this was. And it was a date rape drug. Do you think they gave it to the boy, too, or just the whole family so they could sleep through his bullshit? Oh, they gave it. They they say in the article they gave it to the whole family. (laughs) They say in the article that the priest date rape drugged. He roofied. Oh, I made this special punch made out of <laughs> cherries and pineapple and other things. There might be a little kick with it, but, you know, um, I think it'll help you sleep through the night. You've been through a lot, um, you and your husband, who have a bedroom way, way, way over there. Don't drink it, Mom. Roland, calm down. I'll give you the juice also. Give me the juice. You have to say, please, I'm a holy man. Fuck your cock! Later. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) No. That's bad. Officially bad. This is the saddest story of all time. (laughs) It's very easy, actually, because you can make it with Kool-Aid. Are you familiar (laughs) with Kool-Aid? I'm new to it. We started mixing it in with the communion... 
don't tell anyone that. That's an industry secret. <laughs> we have to make, you know, fish and loaves and whatnot. <laughs> Our own miracles. Oh, man. Hey, everybody. This is Adam, co-host of the Pretty Scary Podcast. Just dropping in to let you know there's a new way to subscribe to the Pretty Scary Podcast and the Unpops Network both. If you've tried Patreon before and didn't like it, check out our new subscription options on Supercast. Head to unpopsnetwork.supercast.tech. There, you can subscribe to the entire network for one low price or subscribe to just the Pretty Scary Podcast. Or subscribe to a bundle that includes Pretty Scary, Celebrate Tragic, and Conspiracy the Show. The possibilities are endless. And what do you get for that subscription money? You get every episode of the Pretty Scary Podcast. Or, depending on the option you choose, all of our podcasts completely ad-free, including bonus episodes that aren't available anywhere else, and an entire back catalog of bonus episodes that you've probably never heard before. Unpopsnetwork.supercast.tech. Check it out. Thanks. We love you. Let's get back to the show. Sorry, everybody. I'm back now. Oh, Caitlin's back. Hey, you just I'm missed back. it. No, yeah, my, I don't know. I just heard elevator music and. Yeah, the guy I'm, from Poltergeist was here. It was cool. Shit. Why do I always miss everybody? Missed. Even in my own house. When I'm I know recording. that part I thought was creepy, but he just peacefully left <sighs> through the same entrance he came in. God damn it. Moving on. So there's a second article that comes out 10 days later. Yes, there is. This is the one that catches the eye of William Blatty. And in this article, the same writer reveals that it took 20 or 30 performances of the ancient ritual of exorcism to finally kick the devil out of rolling dough. He tells that <laughs> <laughs> we're kicking the devil out of rolling dough. Taking you to Missouri, boy. Well, piggy. Wait, wait, wait. He tells that during the rite, the boy would break into violent tantrums of screaming, cursing, and voicing Latin phrases. That always does do it for me. When a kid yeah, well, starts speaking in Latin, I'm like, all right, I'm into this. What's wrong with you? All right, everybody. He was singing the Copacabana, but let's just <laughs> tell them that it was Latin phrases. <laughs> the exorcism was performed by a St. Louis priest, the best priest in my book, in his 50s, probably Father Bodern, who was mentioned earlier, although he's not named explicitly in this article, who accompanied the boy for two months. The exorcism rite was first initiated in St. Louis, continued in another fucking time zone in Washington, D.C., and was ultimately completed in St. Louis. When the last performance of the ritual was completed, the boy became quiet and later reported a vision of St. Michael casting the devil out that is all according to the always reliable washington post let's talk about that sure so let's get back to my filament versus layers versus categories conversations. <laughs> the fact that this went to a different time zone means that what are we talking 30 people 40 people involved the devil is bi-coastal caitlin but, ser but seriously like from an administrative standpoint i'm just talking about like having <laughs> Like, there was this time where I had to order this award for a different branch of our company that was in Chicago. It took three weeks for the shape of the order to get approved by my boss. Once that was done, it took another two weeks to get the inscription approved by my boss. Then it took me getting approval from three separate people to spend the money to buy the award that we had designed to then get it shipped to Chicago. Once it got to Chicago, it went through three sets. My point is, if this is a human boy <laughs> and not an award, there are a lot of people involved in transporting this kid. There, Yeah, there are a lot of moving parts, and I don't understand the significance of having to move him around if it's just for exorcism purposes. Unless there's like some Dan Brown blessed, you know, 
French rose tile basement thing going on in St. Louis, which I don't, I know how much you love St. Louis, but I, I don't think that's what's happening there. Yeah. I like, did the devil fall in love with St. Louis? And then they get to DC and he's like, I'll come out if we go back to St. Louis. I've got an idea. So here's the thing. The boy um, has become addicted to the, the, the punch that we've been making. So we have to go pick up more of, you know, the extra ingredient. We Unfortunately, we don't have it here anymore. It is, however, in St. Louis. So we're going to get in the car. He is going to be in deep withdrawal. Uh, he will be possessed. Let's call it possessed. The whole drive there, everyone in the car will attest to how moody and shaky and pale and sweaty the child is. And then when we get to St. Louis, uh, you know, we'll, we'll solve the problem there. Give me the juice, you fucker. See, this is what I've been telling everyone. He's obsessed with this thing. It's the devil inside of him, you see, that is obsessing over this Kool-Aid have you heard about Kool-Aid? I, I feel like I, it's changing our lives. I have not heard of Kool-Aid, no. It's making my job so much easier <laughs> in so many ways. I'll tell you more later. Oh, this, this fucking story. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't know where the parents are in this. Like, I don't understand where the parents are in this. And, but I do understand trusting your church. I understand how that happens. And I, you know, we've had this conversation, you know, so the other side of the, of the argument of, you know, if someone's calling and saying that they want a priest, the reason why it's a bad idea to do that is because if you get the wrong kind of person in there, it's very easy to manipulate people in that situation. And this is a great example. You need a buddy system. You need good cop, good priest, not good cop, bad cop, not good priest, bad priest, just a good cop and a good priest. Maybe they could go together. And it it really speaks to the times they were living in, because this was absolutely the time when a husband could just haul his wife down to the asylum and be like, she's being kind of a bitch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Would you mind keeping her for the next 15 to 20 years? Totally. And it all like the tone of this article, everything about it, even the parts that seem really shocking are just so normal. Like, it's just so normal for that time to be like oh i mean yeah i mean there's something wrong with a kid that only the church can fix we gotta hand him over for a couple months and uh yeah i i don't understand it's not true i keep saying i don't understand i think what makes me what brings me sadness about this story is that i completely understand how this goes down because here's where we're at with this story this boy was either demon possessed truly or clearly being abused and no matter how you look at this story, this kid is tortured. There is no other way to look at the story. And the odds of him being demon-possessed versus what we now know happened and happens, you know, I don't know. And it's also possible that he was grieving in some way because they say this, all of this kicked off when his aunt Tilly, who he was apparently very close to, and who also uh, fucked with Ouija boards sometimes. She dies relatively young. I mean, she's 54, but I mean, I guess back then that wasn't that young. But yeah, yeah. Uh, she dies at 54 of multiple sclerosis. And that's when they say all of this stuff starts happening. So this kid could have just been sad and acting out. And they're like, church, what do we do? And the church is like, we got a plan or having a nervous breakdown. Yeah. That's also allowed. You know, I mean, there's just, yeah, there's a lot. And one of the, the things that William Blatty's novel is based on. And also a 1975 article called the truth behind the exorcist. All of this is based on a diary that was kept all right. along this process. And the stuff we're going to cover next is from that diary. So there's, dates and things associated january 15th 1949 a dripping noise was heard in his grandmother's bedroom by the boy and his grandmother a picture of christ on the wall shook and scratching noises were heard under the floorboards from that night on scratching was heard every night from 7 p.m until midnight this continued for 10 days after three days of silence the boy heard nighttime squeaking shoes on his bed that continued for six nights squeaking shoes on his bed 
doesn't sound like a metaphor for anything. <sighs> January 26, 1949, Aunt Tilly, who had a deep interest in spiritualism and who had introduced Roland to the Ouija board, died of multiple sclerosis at 54. Mrs. Doe suspected there was a connection between her death and the strange occurrences that continued to take place. And there are a couple points during the, the exorcism rituals that are happening where they address Aunt Tilly and uh, they say, if this is Aunt Tilly, knock yeah. three times. And they hear three knocks and they do it again and they hear four knocks. Uh, so they're convinced that Aunt Tilly is involved in this somehow. Sure. I mean, it's so weird because the, I think everybody who listens to this show knows that I'm I'm sympathetic to any kind of supernatural stories, but I'm so weary when it comes to kids being involved. I'm just so, it's just, it's so easy to tell a kid what they believe is happening also. Like, yeah. And at this point in history, when this is happening, especially it's even, it's going to be even easier for authority figures, which these men are all authority figures in this family's life to be like, yeah, the kid, like, he's acting out, but it's just a demon. Don't worry. We'll take him for a couple months. We'll hand him off to a couple other priests who might know what to do with him, and we'll get him back to you in perfect shape. And then they just abuse the shit out of him for a couple months until he has bigger concerns than Aunt Tilly. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a really good chance that that's what happened, and it's really sad. I do feel like that's what happened like it's not like why there's no other reason to separate a child from their parents there's no there's no other reason and this isn't the only exorcism story i've ever heard in my life right. i don't think it's the only one you've ever heard but no. it is the only one that involves taking a kid and transporting him to a series of different locations exactly. and handing him off to different exorcists no it makes no sense and that diary corroborates the story we mentioned earlier, where a Reverend Schultz, who was a local Lutheran minister, uh, for one night asked if he could step in and have the boy spend the night at his place, which was, that was February 17th, 1949. After the fourth night, this is February 26, 1949, scratches or other markings appeared on the boy's body for four nights in a row. After the fourth night, words began to appear that seemed to be scratched on by claws. The father consulted local Catholic priest, Father Hughes, who suggests that the family use blessed candles, holy water, and special prayers. So, at least for his part, Father Hughes was like, I'm not getting involved. Light a candle. No <laughs> yeah. way. No. All of these things happened on February 26th, apparently. It's a big day. There's a big day. Big important day. Yeah. About a week after he spends the night with Reverend Schultz. Mrs. Doe was using the blessed candles when a comb flew across the room and extinguished them. I, li I like picturing that the comb flew up to him and was just like... Yeah, like Beauty and the Beast. Back. Yeah. <laughs> well, animated comb. Oh, no, 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 little flame. I will put you out with my comb powers. Other inexplicable occurrences. Fruit flew across the room again. A kitchen table turned over. Milk and food moved off a table. A coat and its hanger flew across the room. A Bible landed at Roland's feet, and a rocker in which Roland sat spun around. Roland was removed from school after his desk moved around on the schoolroom floor. That's a story that comes up at the end of this. Sure does. And at one point, Mrs. Doe took a bottle of holy water and sprinkled it throughout the house. When she placed the bottle on a shelf, it flew across the room on its own, but did not break. On and on and on. On and on. And it's on this day that they also attempt to baptize Roland Doe, who responds with rage. Probably thought he was about to be drowned. Like waterboarding him. Yeah. And so this this diary, it you know, it just kind of goes on and on with that. Like all these different rituals Horrible and experiences that this kid went through. A child, this tra this traumatized child just endured over and over and over again. Right. And this carries on for two months throughout yeah. March and April. He's moved. Like, at what point does somebody look up and say, maybe you're bad at your job? Just at the very least. Like, if, you know, like, two months, you can't you can't exercise a demon in two months? Like, what's, what's going on here? And what's 
really concerning about it to me is this timeline we're talking about right now starts January 26th. On March 16th, Archbishop Joseph E. Ritter gave Father Bodern permission to begin the formal rite of exorcism. So what was happening from January up until March? That's almost two months where none of this is exorcism. They're just observing. Yeah, I don't know. Sounds like grooming to me. That is, it's it's really fucking concerning. Yeah, sure is. So throughout March and April, so now this is carrying on for four months, Roland has moved back and forth between the home of his aunt in Normandy, Missouri, a nearby rectory, and Alexian Brothers Hospital in South St. Louis. And the whole time, these exorcism rituals are happening. Hey, do you want to be like me and make podcasts that everyone loves? Yeah, you do. But chances are, you don't want to spend a bunch of money doing it. No worries. A solution exists. Spotify's got a platform that lets you make podcasts super easy, then distribute those podcasts everywhere, and you can even earn money doing it. All in one place, for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Also, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. I'm speaking from experience when I say that all those additional features like video podcasts, Q&As, polls, those are things you won't find for cheap elsewhere. But with Spotify for podcasters, it's all totally free no catch. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Thanks. We love you. Okay. Can I, I, I had a thought while you were talking. We know that the Catholic church employs exorcists like we know that this is like a real job and they're super duper secretive about it one thing that would really be helpful in a situation like this is for us to know what it is that they've done in previous cases so we know how normal or not normal this is in the first place right you know because i i don't first of all let me just say that again this stinks to high holy hell i think something horrible happened to this kid same i'm not saying but i'm saying moving on from that point this is where the secrecy of the church really doubles back on itself and hurts itself more than anything. Because if we all go about our day like knowing full well that they employ exorcists, that the Vatican has real exorcists, but we don't know what they do and we don't know how frequently they work and we don't know what their processes are like, what are we supposed to, what are we supposed to believe? Like that's, I, I think, a multifaceted question you know, in situations like this. Because if if they were like, hey, we've got 7,000 documented cases of exorcism and 35% of them take two months, I'd be like, okay, that's weird, but thank you for that information. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay, like, can I look into this? Like, can I understand it a little more? Because this kid just went through hell, it seems like. And that's it. Like, exclusively just went through hell. Yeah, and the the thing about it taking two months for the exorcism to start, like, it seems like... What does that even mean? Well, it seems like that's when they just started, uh, like, reading the words. The, yeah. the It says here, the, the Roman ritual of exorcism reads, I cast thee out, thou unclean spirit, along with the least encroachment of the wicked enemy and every phantom and diabolical legion, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, depart and vanish from this creature of God. Caitlin, did you feel anything just now? It's interesting because what I thought was, maybe you're not supposed to be saying that. Oh, yeah. Oh, because I definitely, yeah, something entered my body, yeah. Like, are you conjuring something here? You know what I mean? By saying things that you're not authorized to be saying? Well... I mean, that's they, what we're ever talking about here with like these exorcism rites is that you're 
the stuff that they do, technically anyone can do, but you're just not qualified or you are qualified to do it. And again, back to my point, we don't know what actually makes a person qualified or not. No idea. Not really. You don't get a challenge coin to show people or anything. Yeah, like there's no you know, boot camp that I could sign up for. There's no TED talk on it. There's nothing. There is that. There is there is an exorcism boot camp that the Vatican holds. I don't know if it's every year or every few years. Oh, I thought there was like an online course that you and I could take. That's what I was hoping for. Oh, I'm sure there is. It's just probably yeah, not like, sanctioned by the church. At like a learning annex or something. Coursera. Yeah, 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 exactly. Does, Run by a guy named Neil. Does Coursera have a fucking exorcism course? Is there a master's class? That's going to be the thing. I'm going to get a fucking marketing email because I read that ritual of exorcism thing. Yes, That's what are. I'm going to be cursed with is ads yeah. for the Catholic Church the rest of my yeah, life. Yeah, 100%. Oh, man, being possessed is so lame in the 2020s. Yeah, you're just being haunted by chain emails. <laughs> oh, my Instagram ads are a nightmare now. Okay, but for real, my Instagram ads, I need to start sharing them on the Unpops site because of the stuff that I click on that my Instagram ads are ridiculous. Like, become a shaman. <laughs> yeah. I eventually turned off microphone access to Instagram, and now they don't know what to do with my ads. I, I turned that off too, but it doesn't matter because my search history is already so fucking weird. Mm. And it's all metaphysical and strange. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. What Doesn't it? <laughs> so... Let's get back to the sure. what they claim happened during these exorcisms of Roland Doe. Uh, on March <laughs> 16th is when it officially starts. March 16th, 1949, Archbishop Joseph E. Ritter gave Father Bodern permission to begin the formal rite of exorcism. That night, accompanied by Father Bishop and a Jesuit scholar, Walter Halloran, Father Bodern began reciting the ritual prayers of exorcism. Mm -hmm. Throughout March and April, Roland was moved back and forth between uh, the locations we mentioned earlier. As the proceedings continued, Roland continued to manifest markings on his body. He had outbursts featuring excessive cursing, vomiting, urinating, and the use of Latin phrases. Here's the thing about the Latin phrases, yeah, which I've heard this mentioned a lot of times as it pertains to exorcisms is that's going to seem really weird coming from a person who doesn't speak Latin, but you also have to take into account they're going through an exorcism. They're having Latin phrases thrown at them. So right. in a lot of cases, they're just regurgitating what's being thrown at them. There's a word for that. Um, proning? What's There's a word. There's like an actual cult term for it where... Yeah, I'm not sure. I can't remember. There's a term for it where... You say certain things over and over again enough to where people think it's it's an original thought. Yeah. I can't remember. Anyway, just... Who knows? Who f I learned a lot about it when I was looking in Nexium, so... Yeah. So on one occasion, Roland got his hand on a bed spring, broke it, and stabbed a priest in the arm. Metal. That is B-A-F. B-A-F. Bad as fuck. Oh, sweet. Right? Sweet. That was a good nice. one. Yeah. Nice. 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 During a round of prayers after Roland had been instructed into the Catholic faith and had received his first Holy Communion, a six-inch portrait of the devil with its hands held above its head, <laughs> webs stretching from its hands, and horns protruding from its head appeared in deep red on the boy's calf. What? Like a really metal tattoo? Yeah. Like, even in the middle of an exorcism, if that happened to me, I'd be like, can I keep that? Like, get, yeah, the, I'm that. get this demon out of my lungs, obviously, but can I keep that? That's badass. We're keeping that souvenir. Yeah. He just like looked at the priest and he's like, Ooh, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> at least put it on a t-shirt or something. That looks great. Yeah. He just wanted to like found gore or something. This next one, this kid was being kidnapped. God damn it. Yeah. On a train ride to Maryland with father Bodern, the boy became maniacal and kicked the priest in the testicles, yelling, that's a nutcracker for you, isn't it? Jesus. Run, Roland, run. You're almost free. On April 18th, 1949, as the nighttime ritual continued, Father Bodern forced Roland to wear a chain of medals 
and hold a crucifix in his hands, Roland's demeanor changed and he calmly asked questions about the meanings of certain Latin prayers. Bodern continued the ritual, demanding to know who the demon was and when he would depart. Roland responded with a tantrum and screamed that he was one of the fallen angels. Bodern kept reciting until 11 p.m. when Roland interrupted. In a new masculine voice, Roland said, Satan, Satan, I am Saint Michael. I command you, Satan, and the other evil spirits to leave this body in the name of Dominus immediately. Now, now, now. Roland had one last spasm before falling quiet. He is gone. Roland pronounced later, telling Father Bodern he had a vision of St. Michael holding a flaming sword. Well, that's what Michael does. Right. Gabriel's got a trumpet. Michael's got a sword. And it's mentioned at one point through this, I think I might have skipped it in the notes, but at one point they communicate with this demon that's inside him. And the demon says, uh, they ask what he has to do to be expelled And the demon says he has to say one word, and he's never going to say it. And that word, as it turned out, was Dominus. So he said it, and with that, he was free to go return to his parents. Totally undamaged. Totally a new new boy. New boy. All fixed up and ready to be good for a change. I would love to know what happened to him. Yeah, by all accounts, anything you read is that he refused to talk about this for the rest of his life paid out like all the other people did yeah he either got paid off or was just so fucking damaged by it or a combination of both and just refused to say anything about it oh roland doe i hope you're okay yeah i i hope so too there there are a bunch of i guess i'm left to say i hope you were possessed by a demon or the devil I hope that's what happened. That's like, that's the screwed up part of the story is that like the better option is that he was possessed by the devil. Yeah. Yeah. You, you actually, this is a weird case where you read about a boy being possessed by a demon and you're right. You're, you really hope that's what it is. Should come away from it. Hoping. Yeah. I hope he was possessed by a demon. Really, really hoping that that was the devil himself hanging out there in Roland getting him to kick people's nuts that but that's that's the best case scenario in this situation and it's really concerning that one of the men who was involved in this the last living survivor at least among the adults the the walter halloran guy the scholar was like no i don't yep. necessarily think he was possessed uh yep i've never like, said that what the f yeah it's a creepy story and not for the reasons it should be no like all the possession stuff like i mean not to burst this kid's bubble but i've seen the exorcist so uh yeah old news by this point you're gonna have to do more than all this you got a cool demon tattoo on your calf you've already said all of the magic demon words so now your house is going to be haunted by a demon caitlin if i wake up with that tattoo tomorrow morning all worth it i'm gonna be psyched i'm gonna be psyched too that that's that tattoo is like what tattoos all tattoos should look like yeah do you think he does still have a tattoo i would hope he got some kind of gnarly souvenir out of that experience beyond just the physical and psychosocial trauma and just so everyone knows this is a true story like these things did happen to this kid and then somebody made it a screen a book and then a screenplay and other people made money and that kid didn't see a dime from that i'm assuming no definitely not because william blatty's novel is just that it's a novel based on these things that he read in various that's it magazine and newspaper articles and there's a whole bunch of other stuff we had in the notes about how no one seemed to believe this kid no because nobody liked him yeah it seemed like everyone hated this kid except the asshole dog in the neighborhood who hated everyone else but this kid but Roland <laughs> which as me and Caitlin have discussed previously yes. that means Roland's the good guy in town yep and that dog just hates everyone because he's living in the kind of town where people will watch a 13 year old boy get kidnapped by the Catholic Church and passed around for four months let me tell you something good puppies 
They don't like pedophile rings. Nope. Roland was that puppy's only friend in town. Yeah. Yeah. That that's uh that's a fact right there. Also, though, do want to mention that sociopaths also happen to get along with animals better than people. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Worth bringing that up. Well, if you get along with animals better than people, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Sociopaths, this is made famous by the Tony Soprano storyline, but it's animals and little children that sociopaths can connect with. But the second they become a a free-thinking adult, they are not happy around those people. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense and makes me me feel better because I'm great around pets, but it takes me a second to warm up to a kid. It's like yeah, you're, a, no, no. you're a pet plus. You have to pass a few more tests kids, for me. Kids, I, I had a kid and I still don't like kids. Yeah, right? I like my son. Yeah, well, that's different. I just don't want to go to any of the birthday parties. I don't want to go. That's my hell. I hate those things for so many reasons. That's a whole other episode. But I did not birth a child and suddenly love children. That did not happen. And I meet people that love kids. And I'm like, wow. Always- that's Always weirded out by it. That's really great. I'm not you. That's a fact. People and, who want to work with kids, come on. What are you doing? Well, God bless bless them because it's not me and it's not you. <laughs> it's not me. And somebody no. somebody has to, okay? Like somebody has to like these little fuckers and it's not us. So I don't like kids that sing, no. you know? I don't like child prodigies. I mean, I'm glad they exist because I, I know that they help make the world a better place, but I don't want to meet them. Yeah, I'm kind of overseeing really talented kids and really talented old people online. Because either way, it's like, wait your turn or you blew it. Yeah, the way. I, I just, I, I think in the climate that we're in right now, I just kind of want everybody to just stop uploading anything. Yeah, and uh, leave kids alone. See, this is the funny thing. I feel like the people that don't get along with kids are also the most, like, obsessed and, 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 we're the better advocates because it's like, look, it has nothing to do with me liking kids. I just don't like adults that fuck with kids. Yeah, I wonder I wonder how many people have actually read this story and come away with the same concerns we did because I don't I, I didn't see it mentioned. In- you have to wonder why it wasn't more why he didn't follow the story more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that must have been why. Because he's like, how do I get an, a, a, a demon-possessed kid out of a parent's house, first of all, and then to several other locations? It makes no sense. The closest they get to it is when she does that angiogram scene um, in the movie. I don't know if it's in the book. I've never read the book. But that angiogram scene that we now know, of course, uh, features a serial killer. So right. there you go. Which is what that movie gets for turning this tale of child abduction into hollywood entertainment that's why it's cursed is that why it could be i feel like that's a good reason to curse something yeah this movie deserved to be cursed i feel like there needs to be better curse story like we've got to we've got to do a good i mean i know we're doing the show cursed films but when we're done we should do an episode of curses like actual good ones because they're they're out there oh yeah I like a good curse. I know it's an unconventional choice because it's not particularly scary. From you? Yeah, I know, right? But I think one of the legitimately craziest curses of all time is the curse of the Billy Goat, which was the curse that was put on the Chicago Cubs that kept them from winning a World Series. The things that happened to the Cubs over that hundred year span. Let's do that episode. I would love to do that episode. That would be fun. Caitlin, at one point when they were on the verge of making the playoffs, a black cat runs on the field and crosses right in front of the path of the guy who's about to go up and hit. And what happens next is even fucking crazier. It's nuts. Maybe we will cover that. That'd be fun. Come on. We have to. People need a little levity. I think we should do like a nice curse episode we'll do the curse of the billy goat it sounds so scary and then when you get into it it's like oh this is cute except for the part where a guy tried to bring his goat to the world series you fucking maniac yeah and then the goat was like do you like wish to live deliciously (laughs) god i hated the witch i love it i couldn't stand it Eh, i know i'm in the minority i thought it was great but it's okay you know but our next episode is going to be covering another a spooky movie. 
another spooky movie called The Hat Man. God, I hated that Scat Man song so much. I hope that guy's haunted right now. He haunted us. We know that. He sure did. Yeah, we're covering The Hat Man, which is a documentary. You can watch it for free on Amazon Prime. And mm-hmm. it covers the phenomenon known as shadow people, which... And we have a lot to talk about with that. I'm excited. We have a lot to talk about. I texted picture uh, a picture of a shadow person that was in my lobby to Caitlin <laughs> yep. the other day. Flat out. Right after we talked about it, went out there. Hello, Mr. Shadow Man. Yeah, it is everywhere once you see it. Yeah, once you see it, you're going to start seeing shadow men. And I think that might sort of play into what's happening with that, but... Oh, yeah. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Uh, Until then, do we have anything to plug? Uh, Hey, follow me on Twitter, at Bossy Matilda. I want to talk to you. Follow this show on Twitter also, at Pretty Scary Boo. I feel like I'm maybe a month away from just, like, not using Twitter as a person, but just, like, running the different accounts for the shows. I can run that account. Just give me the password. Perfect. I will. Just remind me. I need okay. I'm gonna harass I mean, you're, you. About you're it. reminding me right now, but yeah. Uh, follow the show on Twitter at Pretty Scary Boo. If you want to subscribe to just this show and get bonus episodes and ad-free episodes and the whole back catalog, you can sign up at prettyscary.supercast.tech or to sign up for the entire network, go to unpopsnetwork.supercast.tech. It's all very easy to use. If you tried Patreon and didn't like it, try Supercast. You'll probably like it more. Yeah. Try it. Try it out. Try it out. And uh, I think that's it. Let's get out of here. Caitlin, say goodbye. Hey, goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.